Welcome to the Tell Me Something Real podcast. Real people, real stories, real talk. Well, today I thought it might be fun to take a look back at our formative years and talk about how the media we absorbed as kids shaped the way we felt about relationships and ourselves as young ladies and now adult women. Um, and I think this is a topic that seems to come up more and more lately as many people in our circles have children who now are being influenced by their own types of media and certainly all different types of media like TikTok and things that we don't even know about are influencing the kids today. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I know I recently have rewatched some of the ki- movies I loved as a kid and was horrified by the themes that I saw portrayed that seemed to really be similar to some unhealthy relationship patterns I've noticed in my own life. And so this is something that's been really interesting for me and I've been thinking a lot about for the last few years. And I even like thought about doing a documentary on it one time, Mm. like how movies we watch or movies from like the 80s and 90s and things we saw as kids shape our relationships. So anyway, Kelly, what are some movies that you remember watching that really affected you? Um, so I thought a lot about this and I actually had trouble coming up with movies, but some of the first ones that came to mind were Dirty Dancing. Definitely. hundred percent. Um, and we can go back and like chat about these earlier, but I'll just like tell you what they are and get them out there into the world. Okay. Um, Reality Bites. Absolutely. The Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing that I'll throw out there is that not all of these movies came out in our formative years. Like mm-hmm. some of them are way older, like The Sound of Music, way old, but still sure. it was movies that we were watching then. Gone with the Wind. Um, interestingly enough, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, totally. A hundred percent. The King and I, Sex and the City. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it too, because one of the big themes is like the bad boy. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking Mark on Roseanne, that, sh- yeah. that TV show Roseanne was a huge influence on me. And I didn't even think about, it's just when I go back and think about that show and I think about all the people on that show, I had such a huge crush on him and he was such a bad boy loser. <laughs> and that was Darlene's boyfriend? No, that was... um Becky's boyfriend Becky's boyfriend they ended up like getting married or something and sadly that actor ended up like dying of a drug overdose not that long ago but um maybe a decade ago I always liked Darlene's boyfriend I thought he was David yes I have a thing for curly dark hair it's been a vice of mine okay well I mean problems I will say that's a totally different dynamic the David Mm -hmm and Darlene. No, he was, was like the different. lost puppy dog that wanted and needed Darlene so bad. And she was like the independent, I don't give a crap girl, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the biggest themes for me were like bad boys, 
Mm-hmm. and how you were supposed to be super into the bad boys and like I remember and even I used to watch old movies and I remember like all the Elvis movies or Cary Grant movies it's like there were all these like bad boys who were like mean to everybody else like rebel without a cause but then yeah. really nice to the girl and then it was just like this big prize if like you were the girl that like mm-hmm. got him to be nice to you because it was all about changing the man yeah. like it's all about finding a guy that is terrible that you can then change into someone who will still be terrible to most people but kind yeah. of nice to you yeah even sound of music Yes, to that she had to fix him. She had yeah. to fix him to she, make him likable again. And here's the only, the other thing. There's also a theme about she's the only one who can fix him. And I can oh, tell you, yes, Kelly, as someone who works every single day with domestic violence cases, and I see hundreds of domestic violence situations a year, that is something that is not just on us. A lot of women are caught in this belief that they are the only one that can fix this guy. They will call me and plead with me for hours because they are the only one that can fix him. And here's the thing too, is that being the only one, it gives you this sort of like purpose. Mm-hmm. No, you have this purpose because like you're the chosen one. You are the one who has all the skills and all of like the things needed to make this person the best version of themselves, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're starting from like ground zero, like mm-hmm. below. They're they're at dirt level, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but like you can raise them up to be this like amazing provider and Here's another thing about a lot of these movies is that most of these guys have no job or their job yes. like doesn't pay money or they're like <laughs> an entertainer who, you know, makes enough to get by. And then you grow up thinking, well, I mean, that's kind of hot because they're passionate about their their skill mm-hmm. or their thing, you know. But, and... then, but then they become maybe miraculously successful at it which great balls of fire that's what that movie that's one of your movies yes and i yes so um so there's that other like dream realized Mm. right you found this bad boy that didn't have a job but had a gift and you were the only one that could fix him and he was he you were the chosen one he loved you and then it all turns out great because he ends up being successful at the end and this is a, that's actually you. like the the like the preview for a hollywood movie for like yeah. 20,000 movies yeah yeah and it sets some very unrealistic expectations i think for us as young women mm-hmm. thinking about how relationships were going to be because i can tell you that when i was 13 and watching reality bites and dirty dancing mm-hmm. and and sound of music that, that's programming from when you're a little thing like mm-hmm. I've been watching sound of music since I was a little girl yep so and gone with the wind I mean oh my god <laughs> so bad uh well but anyway I mean the dichotomy of that is that gone with the wind you have Rhett Butler who mm-hmm. is you know this kind of overbearing jerk mm-hmm And, you know, Scarlett, right. And, you know, and then he, look, 
it's actually quite complex. The, the Scarlet and Rhett relationship. It is. And but, but also it, it's not even, here's the thing though, is that Scarlet all, it's also sort of empowering mm. because Scarlet owns all this land and she's going to be like the, the head of this plantation or whatever it is, you know, going to be after the civil war. And like, she, it, you know, she's she the one it, who's the head of it. He would give it all up. For a night with Ashley, though, I'm telling ugh. you, she would. That was so, so ugh, of all people. So and I what, think, ugh. but that's that's what I want to tell you is important about that movie Gross. and how because I actually lived this out later in life. The keeping, the, to some extent, the rich guy that you detest, mm -hmm. but who can provide for you and do everything for you, and who even is ruggedly handsome to boot in this movie, which is so nice. Wait, who are you not, saying is ruggedly handsome? Ashley. But, Rhett Butler. Oh, so that's, Rhett Butler is totally handsome. Yes. So yeah, okay. but I'm saying like, I think in a real life scenario, he wouldn't be that good looking. Mm -hmm. uh, but but then you have the the poor guy that you just are is so in love with, like so head over heels in love with that you just can't even make sensible decisions about. And, and so for me, it set up this like idealistic, fantasy about that and I ended up playing that out multiple times when I was sort of in in a dating phase of my life where I would have like the one guy I was dating who like I had no kind of romantic interest in but who had money and who like provided some opportunities like dating wise that were really exciting and then I had like the broke guy guitar player who had nothing and couldn't even afford dinner. So I would have to pay for everything when we were together, but who I like was really attractive to. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to blame Gone with the Wind for that one. But here's what's questionable. Were you actually attracted to this person or were you attracted to this person because TV, movies, books had told you that that's the person that you were supposed to be attracted to, the yeah, loser? And that, yeah, just to take it to another level, you know, go another level deeper into it. Yes, the whole thing, that whole scenario is me overlapping the sound of music with Gone with the Wind, with reality bites and dirty dancing, like living it all out in one, you know, situation. And I, I had some really strange dating scenarios in my 20s because I think I was playing all that stuff out. Same. I mean, it would, it's so funny to me that one of these movies is actually a children's movie, mm -hmm. the Beauty and the Beast cartoon. Which I would argue is Belle, the worst one. I actually genuinely loved this movie. It's but my I favorite will tell you, movie of all time. And that I, I think is you, very telling. Belle <laughs> literally turns a monster into a man. <laughs> like she turns a monster into a prince. And Can you know we what? talk about the little mermaid when <laughs> like Ariel oh my God. who has this beautiful singing voice and not only does she have this beautiful singing voice but she lives in the ocean no one lives in the ocean like people can't do that it's a it's a yeah. thing that we cannot do okay yeah. she can breathe and sing underwater and she gives it all up for this yeah. ugly full of a man so that yeah. she can what be on a yacht for a minute these know. movies are i mean okay they are my favorite movies ever but they yeah. are awful yeah, Awful. No, I completely agree. Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast are two of my, are my two very favorite Disney movies. And again, mm -hmm. I think that's very telling because I can say that when I got into my 30s, 
I started looking at the relationship I was in and I really saw the beast mm-hmm. and I saw that I had gotten into this situation that was very similar to beauty and the beast minus the anthropomorphic furniture but you the know town coming with torches and <laughs> none of that happened but uh okay anyway <laughs> so <laughs> that's unfortunate I think it's it's an it important aspect but but I like had some sort of aha moment where I'm like I was convinced by Disney as a child that I could turn a beast of a man mm-hmm. literally into a prince Absolutely. and then everybody would dance in a ballroom and we'd all be happy and um that is not how that usually ends yeah I actually same- wait what <laughs> and I was gonna say same thing with uh the little mermaid I had mm-hmm. some really I was so in love with that movie I so wanted to be Ariel I prayed to God every night to turn me into Ariel and um but to do the reverse thing because I wanted to be under the ocean with like a mermaid tail well but, uh, let's bring up an I would I would do that for a man I would totally be a mermaid for a man let's let's go back to labyrinth I I watched this movie to, this is one of my favorite movies of all time I too. and I watched this movie and to this is how messed up my head is from all of this stuff is to this day I'm like just be the goblin queen all he wants is for you to fear him and love him and like do what he says what's wrong with that I'm with you on that one I have to say I still I'm like you've gone through all that like right what like you just to be like you have no power over me okay you've proven it you've proven yourself they do a whole setup (laughs) it's a clear she hates her life like at what point did we real like did her life get better like she's gonna go home and realize oh my god and then she just has stuffed animals again and my brother well they're they're there watching her they're still they're still there there should have been a labyrinth too and and they get back together oh she realizes she made the wrong decision so. We probably would still be in like those terrible, horrible relationships if Labyrinth but, 2 had happened. <laughs> but I'm going to argue that that I think David Bowie is is so awesome that you can't even be mad uh, because he's really David Bowie. He's not Jareth. He's David well, Bowie. And so. he also, like you get this sense that the power that he would have over you would just be an illusion because he knows that she really has the power right this is how messed up i am from these (laughs) movies heather like i am totally justifying this situation (laughs) where like this woman is supposed to give all of her power to this man after she realizes that she has all the power that said i just i would still do it yeah or david bowie I would say the other movies that I've gone back and rewatched, I'm rooting for the woman to leave him at the end. And, and that's not how the movies end. Interesting. Um, tell me but, about it. But like, Labyrinth, tell me one. I'm, I'm still rooting for her. Okay. And maybe that's the difference because she didn't choose the bad guy. And we're so mm. like adhered to that theme. It just feels wrong. It feels wrong. It feels like the movie didn't go the direction that it should have gone. But um, anyway, to get to get to my point, um, mm-hmm. so I recently rewatched Reality Bites, which 
was literally my favorite movie yeah through sure. I think most of high school and I watched it all the time I mean to the point where you know I had it memorized same and and I remember it just being such a good movie that like really made me feel everything like it said everything I wanted to say and didn't have words for to express my life. Which, which is, is really upsetting when you think about because I think that we were like 14 when that movie came out. And it's yeah. a movie about people who just graduated college. So yes. the fact that we felt that at that age, there was already something wrong. <laughs> already a, a bad sign. Um, one, maybe we shouldn't have been watching this movie. And that's right. what I actually, I think a lot of it is that we shouldn't have been watching these movies. Um, but anyway, so I know how the movie ends. I've seen it hundreds of times. And as I'm rewatching it, I'm horrified when the ending comes and I find out she stays or gets together with the bad guy and they live happily ever after because I've had enough life experience at this point to know that a guy with a setup like Ethan Hawke in that movie does not turn out to be the happily ever after. And it's not even, it's a situation, again, like, it's like sex in the city. It's a situation that doesn't even make sense. How can they afford that big, nice house that they're living in at the end of that movie? Ethan Hawke will never have a job. No. She will never have like a good Any job. And even if she does, she's the one who'll be paying for everything for forever. It's like in Sex in the City when like Carrie is spending all of her money on shoes and dating every bad person she possibly can. And then somehow has an apartment like in the city on, on a salary. She's like, she writes a column for like a newspaper or something. Those don't even exist anymore. Like, yeah. and I'm sure that newspaper columnists do not make bank, you know, like yeah. unrealistic ex expectations. Like, yeah. I, mind-blowing to me a hundred percent which which I think is a perfect lead-in to the next one which is the the ending of Dirty Dancing is I would argue the most famous part of that movie the line nobody puts baby in a corner is one of the most famous lines from that movie that is where the movie goes wrong like suddenly Patrick Swayze comes up to baby and is like nobody puts baby in a corner and takes her and they dance and now the dad likes him because oh everything and everything's fine everything's fine now he said nobody puts baby in a corner and he dances he jumps off the stage and does a high kick everybody goes home happy right what? and it's really hard for me to say anything bad about Patrick Swayze oh I'm not saying anything bad about <laughs> Patrick Swayze I'm saying the writing of the movie like we're attacking the writers <laughs> So yeah, I'm not saying anything bad about Patrick Swayze. I yeah. adore him in that movie. And as an actor, I think he did a phenomenal job, which is why we fell in love with him, mm -hmm. you know? But, but the writing, again, watching that movie as a very young girl, I remember my aunt letting me watch it and it was such a big deal because I was really young. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's like, don't tell your grandmother. And I'd actually already watched it with you. So I'm like, okay. But it was super awkward to watch it with my aunt. I watched that movie with my mom and my grandmother in the room. And that was the most <laughs> awkward thing that has ever oh happened. Golly. That's so bad. It was so awkward. Um, but I mean, it's just, it's when I think about these movies, it's Dirty Dancing especially, I think about 
how in my real life relationships, this has been so reflected, this idea that like normal is boring, right? Mm -hmm. Like the idea that if you don't have chaos or drama going on in your relationships at all time, then it must not be real love, you Mm -hmm. know? There must not be passion if someone's not beating someone up or like some, you know, drama is happening. And it's just like in my real life, I have been in relationships where when everything was smooth sailing, I was like, what, what's wrong? This this isn't normal. Yeah. You know, and it's just. Because movies would teach us that means he's cheating on us or something bad's about to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There always has to be something going some fixable problem. Like Mm -hmm. you have to be fixing someone or something all the time, or it's not real. And what we don't realize when we're watching these as young people is that there has to be drama because you've only got two hours. Mm -hmm. So in order to get you to watch this movie, there has to be some sort of drama. So I don't really think that it's about necessarily not watching the movie. I think it's more that the appropriate situation should have been watch movie with older person who then explains to me like what the real deal is here Mm -hmm. like because I'm I'm guaranteeing your mom and grandma didn't sit you down after dirty dancing and say so we just want to point out some problems with (laughs) this movie that you should not internalize as normal relationship stuff yeah I mean and I don't know what the the I think that even if that occurs you're still going to go after these bad boys. You're still going to go after these bad relationships, these negative toxic people, because it's still enticing in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's still exciting in the movie. Um, yeah. I want to talk about this one that you brought up, Great Balls of Fire. Oh my gosh. And I'm Love. sure like no one listening to this podcast has ever even seen this movie. So this is about like Jerry Lee Lewis, who married his 13-year-old cousin. The podcast <laughs> right now. And just go watch it. It's so good. I remember, I think we had like our own two-person fan club, like 24-hour yes. <laughs> running fan club for this movie. I remember being really irritated when I saw Dennis Quaid as other characters in different movies. Because I'm like, no, no, no. He's, mm-hmm. he's Jerry Lee Lewis. Um, still completely in love with Dennis Quaid in that movie. Um but yeah, I mean, I was so into the idea of being 13 and marrying some 30-year-old yep. musician, loser, <laughs> homeless, unemployed, living on my dad's couch, mm-hmm. right? And not, but, only, but, <laughs> and not only that, but it's like this guy, and now granted, Jerry Lee Lewis was incredibly talented, mm-hmm. is incredibly still talented, I'm sure. Um But he also, like, had the biggest ego, thought he was better than everyone, and got really, really, really angry that everyone else in the whole world didn't think that he was better than everyone. Mm -hmm. And, like, realistically, he wasn't, like, a brilliant pianist or anything. He just had, like, a particular style that was interesting and new and, like, crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not like he was writing brilliant songs or anything like that good songs yeah but I mean I'm just saying like he was just so bitter about everything and he was Mm -hmm. like married to multiple people at the time one of them being his cousin who was 13 Mm 
Yeah. You know, and it's just not a guy you want to like idolize or look up to as a human. Yeah. Um, and in that movie, it seemed like the most romantic situation ever. Like, yeah. whoa, this is amazing. Of course, a 13 year old should marry a 30 year old. That makes sense to me. Yeah. And then, and then let me say, I, I think that the, cause it doesn't end on a high note necessarily. It, it goes through, mm-hmm. you know, the alcoholism and the abuse and, right. and how he treated her. It does highlight that, but I feel like it just kind of like prepared me for when you get into this relationship with that loser homeless guy <laughs> um, who plays music uh, and he does maybe get successful or not either way this is just part of it that you have to deal with because that's the the price you pay for being with this great person so I would say yeah. it further entrenches and sort of prepares you and numbs you to to that at least I'm just saying I can see it over and over and over again in my own life things that are so similar to what I watched happen in movies that it just cannot be a coincidence. Mm -hmm. And I will also say, so other aspects of movies that totally shaped me are these movies that completely romanticized superficial relationships, crushes, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. the idea that like you would see someone from across the room and be madly in love with them and they were the one and then you spend an entire movie going through a lifetime of drama with these people and it's like they don't even know each other and so it's like I spent you know and this is is typical but it's just like I think I really believed that like that's how love was supposed to be love was supposed to be you like had all these idealized like illusions of a person and then if they weren't like and they weren't even going to be correct or whatever and then you'd change them and they'd be perfect (laughs) and like all of these like I totally thought that you just fell in love with the idea of someone and that's who they would be even though that's completely false it's not true at all yeah another aspect to these movies romanticizing the process of a breakup Hmm. like and like this idea that every breakup has to be this huge emotional breakdown life altering like thing that you have to wallow over for years and years and years. And it's like, no, you sometimes the relationship just ends and then you move on like the next day. Sometimes you've moved on before the relationship has even ended. (laughs) That does not make a good movie, Kelly. (laughs) But it's just like, who's going to watch this movie? But I mean, it's like, this comes to mind only because when I was Googling movies, it came up eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. (gasps) Oh, okay. I have, I love that movie, but everybody loves it. I don't, but I hate the relationship. I'm not sure why I hate the relationship. I actually only recently have begun to love that movie because of the poetic nature of the way that it was made. I mean, it's just a beautiful movie, but the relationship and what it says, I was, I think old enough when I saw that one to be like, 
that is so unhealthy and they should yeah. not get back together like at no no that was I think probably the first time in my life I saw a movie where I was horrified that they after knowing everything that happened and how bad they were to each other and I hate hate Kate Winslet's character I hate her yeah I absolutely hate her I hate the way she treats my beloved Jim Carrey <laughs> Like, he's a, such a nice guy. Like, he should not date her. I mean, if he's looking for someone, he can give me a call. We can talk. But not her. She, she's no good for him. And he knows it. But he goes back to her anyway. Why, Kelly? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying, though, is that I feel like movies like this tell us that once we find someone and have feelings for them, mm-hmm. that's, yes. that's it. That's the person. And then we have to wall, we have to obsess over that person for forever because we could never possibly have feelings again for anyone else, even though the feelings that we had about that person probably weren't even real to begin with. They were probably just an illusion, an illusion that was like a romanticization of a superficial relationship. It probably wasn't even real to begin with, but it's just like this whole idea like throughout that entire movie and I haven't seen that movie in a long time but I remember watching it I remember watching it and thinking this is aesthetically pleasing but Mm -hmm. why does everyone like it move on just move on everybody just move on just get the f over it like I am done with this relationship already and we're 10 minutes in like I'm so over it why are you obsessing and I feel like that is a theme in movies to just like constantly be obsessing about these exes and when you go back and look at the relation the relationship wasn't even good but we're spending an entire movie wallowing in this like relationship situation so I feel like when I was in a teenager or in college I really like romanticized the wallowing Mm -hmm. you know like it was it was almost attractive to me to like have a toxic relationship and then end it because then I could make a big deal about the wallowing and the breakup, you know, like there are so so, many songs written as true. Like there are so many songs written about breakups. Most people don't write songs about being in love. They write songs about like something ending and those are the Mm -hmm. great songs, you know? And it's just like, yeah, I feel like I've just been lied to and strung along and like, you know, all of these movies have, have really created this monster of like ill preparedness for the real world and how relationships, how healthy relationships should be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that kind of brings me to, to my next thought, or, or I guess what, what all this that we've been talking about has made me think about up to this point, which is where is the line? Is this life imitating art or art imitating life? Mm-hmm. Like did, I, I assume people wrote these movies probably to express in a form of art, uh, some bad relationship they had. I'm sure that was a, the motivation for a lot of the writing for these movies was bad breakups and, and um, toxic mm-hmm. relationships. Right. right. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, I think there's a real element as we're kind of trying to talk about here about how life then starts to actually imitate that art. If we had never been exposed 
to any movies that had any unhealthy depictions. And I wouldn't have even thought of The Sound of Music as an unhealthy depiction of relationship until just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm like, wait a minute, she's <laughs> the nanny. That's that's an inappropriate work relationship. Like, there's so many things going wrong in that situation. I also imagine that even though they probably weren't in real life, um, I imagine that in the film, she's way younger than he is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he has like f- all these kids and yeah. he's been married before. He's a widower, you know? Um, I mean, I do kind of like that she beats out that fancy lady. Like, I appreciate that yeah, aspect sure. of it. And I mean, I, you know, I love the sound of music. I love the sound of music and the relationship in that movie is still appealing to me, but that is how influenced I am because I'm still like, wow, Christopher Plummer. Wow. He was like going to beat the Nazis. He was such a good dude. And like, then he really did have this sweet soul and he used to sing with his ex-wife and or his, Mm -hmm. his former wife. And, oh, he's such a good man. And then she brought that back out of him and, oh, I would love to be in that, you know, that's how influenced I am and guess what she was the only one that could do it she was it's true so no I still love I love the romance between them but I am saying that I recognize it at this point that that's not a healthy depiction Mm -hmm. uh, of a relationship because he is her employer and and that on its own is inappropriate he I assumed was twice her age in the movie um you know I mean yeah. There's, there's there's some ethical questions certainly that rise up uh, from that movie, but I still I still have a great love for for that movie and for what they're doing in it. Um, the other movie that uh, I sort of associate with that same time period and same style is My Fair Lady, which is also another musical uh, about a strange relationship between a young lady who's of uh you know limited means <laughs> and uh and uh, and this older very wealthy well-known man which then becomes kind of abusive and and that's okay <laughs> because they end up happily ever after in the end even though he literally verbally abused her and made her f- you know, literally called her a street rat to her face every single day. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's it's a really toxic depiction of, um, and he's like her teacher, her, you know, voice lesson teacher, and she's mm. a student. Of course um, he but, is. But because he took the case on as charity, he just feels like he can treat her any way he wants, and he does. And, uh, and she certainly doesn't like it. And she has a moment where she stands up for herself and fights back and runs off. But then he comes and, uh, you know, sings this song about how he's grown accustomed to her face. And then everything's oh, okay. That's awful. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember he this. Can't even, he can't even say he loves her or he cares about her. Oh, the man. The kindest thing he can say is I've grown accustomed to her face. That's awful. Oh, it's horrible. And I love that movie. Oh. That's awful. Yeah. I mean, I hated that movie as a child and now I don't remember it at all. So I'm just hearing what you're saying and like, whoa, Mm -hmm. that's awful. That totally reminds me. Okay. 
So also when you were talking about how he would just be verbally abusive to her, I was thinking of that movie, Rebecca with Laurence Olivier. But I was thinking about how in that movie, he is always calling her a little fool. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that was just normal. It was normal. Yeah. And it was normal to like, think of, of a man as like someone who should sort of ha- claim ownership over you and be like the domineering mm-hmm. person. Um, but it's so and it's funny because rich guy swoops in and saves you from this life yeah. of poverty. So it's okay. Well, it's really interesting how things have shifted, though, because it's like back in like the day, the day being like mm, our grandparents' generation, right? Mm -hmm. Men actually were stable and providers in film, and they took care of the woman. And then the woman was just supposed to be gracious and like shut up and like, you know, make the food and, you know take her allowance or whatever and go buy pretty dresses and then that shifted to the attractive thing being the man being the loser (laughs) nobody who treated you like crap and I wonder what like what the shift in that like was that some weird like 60s feminist thing somehow making that the attractive relationship because those are those are really problematic scenarios yeah um, and, and maybe, I mean, that would make sense. I'm mm-hmm. not as up to date on my 50s and 60s era movies, but um, yeah. What else I was thinking I too, say? oh, Sex in the City. Because oh. what you were saying also reminded me of Sex in the City, this whole like the the man leaves or the woman leaves. So in Sex in the City, I mean, I, I think you said you weren't a Sex in the City fan, but I mean, I've watched one episode maybe. Oh, okay. So I watched the whole series and was really Mm -hmm. into it, but also thought it was problematic as I was watching it because, Mm -hmm. you know, as we've spoken about like sex in the city sort of like has this whole weird men must be, or women must be, be like men in order to be equal to men, which was, is always problematic to me. And I don't understand men and women are not the same and they don't have to be the same in the way Mm -hmm. that they act or speak in order to be equal yeah um but so carrie like the main the main person in this this show um she's she's the relationship one and she's always Mm -hmm. going after these horrible men and then there's this guy mr big who like she has this love affair with off and on throughout the entire series Mm -hmm. And then she finally leaves him because she's done with his BS. And then they get together in the end. Mm. And you're supposed to be, and granted, I was a Mr. Big fan. Only Mm. because society taught me to be. He was horrible to her. Horrible Mm. to her. He always treated her like crap. But then you're supposed to be so excited that they have this perfect love story in the end. And it's just like... I don't know. It's so upsetting to me because I wonder how do we fix it? Like, are there, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, like how would we want the movie to go? How would we want the TV show to end that, that would put us in a place? Is it, is a healthy, happy relationship or a healthy, normal relationships, healthy relationships aren't necessarily happy all the time, but 
is that entertaining? Are we supposed to recognize that these stories are just stories and they're not meant to be things that we replicate? Mm -hmm. um, are there movies about just healthy relationships? <laughs> I, I can't have think of any. No idea if there are. I really yeah, don't know. I really can't think of any. Um, I'm mm -hmm. sure that they exist. Beethoven, that couple was happy. The Beethoven. Oh, I was thinking like immortal beloved. <laughs> like, no, the movie I'm like, about the dog. I know, problematic. Okay. That was a happy couple. They had a healthy relationship. I mean, I think sometimes in those kid movies, you get sort of these standard cookie cutter families, but, um, but I think those also give unrealistic parenthood views. Parenthood oh, was a great movie. Parenthood. And also taught me to love the bad guy because who's the bad guy that you loved in that movie? Keanu Reeves. Keanu actually turns out to be a good guy though. He does, but he's definitely the bad guy. Keanu, I mean, bad Keanu is actually like, he evolves. The thing though, is that the mom has a very clear conversation with the daughter about how you can't change a man. And yeah. how she's trying to, so her, so in the movie, we're getting the lesson, you know, and then you but have to gloss like, over that at 13 and go straight to the, yeah. I should drop out of high school and race cars with my loser boyfriend. But then you have like Steve Martin and Mary Steen Virgin who are like, have this normal relationship. It has yeah. its highs and lows and, you know, they go through normal stuff and craziness. Um, mm -hmm they love each other. They do what they need to do and they, you know, complain and they appreciate each other, I think. Yeah. I'd say that's a pretty normal relationship. That's not over idealized, um, but also doesn't display super toxic, like abusive type behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I think to me, it's important to show that there's conflict in relationships, but that it doesn't always have to escalate, escalate to this controlling, manipulative, abusive level that you see in some of them. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that if it's like the Beaver, the Cleaver family, like nobody relates to that. Nobody's family looks like that. I always am like amazed with like where they depict families all dressed in their work clothes, eating breakfast together. I'm like, mm. does anyone, have you ever met anyone who gets dressed and goes to the table in their clothes and then eats breakfast with their whole family every morning before school slash work. You know, and again, here we are, here we are with like these problematic um, expectations because then you grow up, you're watching this movie and maybe you don't have a household where you have both a mother and a father in your household. Maybe you mm -hmm. don't have all these cute little siblings that can be your best friends when you're little, you know, like, Maybe you don't live in a nice, sweet little house. And maybe you, if you're lucky, get a Pop-Tart instead of like bacon and eggs and pancakes for every breakfast, mm -hmm. you know, then how do you feel growing up? You feel like totally like you haven't, you well, have no place in the world. I would argue that that's why um, Roseanne for sure. And then Married with Children were such mm -hmm. groundbreaking, pivotal uh, TV shows because I think from my memory and I can only think back so far but uh, those are the first two shows I remember where the family was definitely not perfect and they yeah. were 
showing all of like the idiosyncrasies and the conflicts and the ups and downs that a, a real family has. And certainly those were probably my two favorite sitcoms to watch Absolutely. growing up, certainly far more than anything like Beaver the cleaver or whatever i don't even know the name of the show leave um, it to beaver leave it to beaver <laughs> like beaver the cleaver is the sequel uh spinoff where he turns into a serial killer yeah but... i mean <laughs> that's your dexter um i mean i loved roseanne i could I relate too. to that in my household completely yep, me too um i felt like that was my family yeah Absolutely. Um, or the way the way the families around me were. Okay, let's pause here and take a quick break and we'll be right back. There are so many things that we can talk about with regard to movies, TV influencing us. I think we could talk about sex, we could talk about drugs, we could talk about clothes, all of mm -hmm. these things, but I just it's so, or self-image, like we mm. mentioned Barbie earlier. Um, yeah. In our pre-recording pre times. Um, mm -hmm. But I just feel like this is so detrimental. Like the way that relationships are portrayed are things that affect you for your entire life. Mm -hmm. The way that they're portrayed and then the way that we receive that information based on what knowledge we already have, mm -hmm. like what's going on in our family's lives. And then what's what we've been told about relationships, because at the same time, you're also reading books about relationships. Mm -hmm. And I remember like all of these books that I was reading when I was younger were very like romantic books. Mm. Um, I mean, I read Rebecca, I read gone with the wind, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, they definitely made me look for a type of situation that not only was not necessarily healthy, but also didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like, I, I think I am still looking for a relationship that isn't real yeah. because of, you know, what I, what I was told that I could get when mm -hmm. I was, you know, growing up. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned the longest yard. When yeah. We were talking so, about this. Tell me because I haven't seen that movie either so of them. This is the movie that actually gave me an epiphany on this topic and made me want to actually start researching. Isn't it about football? <sighs> kind of. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is, this is certainly a movie that's tied in a few elements and it's geared to getting the men, I think, into the, theater but there's something for the women too so it's not just a football movie um so i i first watched the remake with adam sandler and i think courtney cox played the wife in that and he's just kind of a jerk and then crashes her car and goes to jail and that's how he ends up in this prison football team scenario okay. that becomes basically the main plot of the movie but the original one I think was done in the 70s with Burt Reynolds and I'm not sure who played the wife but that's the original version and it's really bad it opens up with him like physically 
assaulting his wife. He gets wow. drunk or whatever. And he's like, I don't know. I mean, he's having a bad time, you know, with football or something. I don't know. And he just totally hauls off and abuses his wife and then maybe wrecks her car or something. But anyway, he ends up going to prison, but that's, but I've, I just remember being shocked. I didn't think I, I could recall any other time where I had seen domestic violence so blatantly displayed and, and it wasn't in any way um, reprimanded in the movie. There wasn't any like, well, that wasn't good. It was, it just seemed kind of like, well, that's normal. Mm -hmm. And so it really made me think, you know, these are the types of movies our parents were watching when they were getting married and my mother was in an abusive relationship when she was younger and and this was you know an accepted popular movie around that time so that's what first got me started thinking of it because it just seemed like i mean you see graphic depictions of domestic violence in movies today like the movie enough with jennifer lopez but the whole point of the movie is to show the the abuse because then she goes off and trains and plans and she comes back and beats the crap or out like of her abusive sleeping husband. sleeping with the enemy. Do you remember that Julia Roberts movie? Yes. It's yes. about the woman like getting revenge on the man. Mm -hmm. This movie just shows a woman literally getting her ass beat. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of, and that's totally fine. Right. I don't think that's what sent him to jail. I think he, it, it was like he wrecked the car or he did something. Uh, they got him arrested but it wasn't I don't believe for beating his wife because yeah. again if it's in the 70s but domestic violence wasn't even like an accepted criminal practice at that time mm -hmm. quite yet it was working its way there but not quite yet so well I think that what's so upsetting about all of these things is that even when you're younger and you see these things happening like right now we're saying oh, we saw this movie and we thought that this is how relationships were. I imagine that even watching the movie at the time, watching any of these movies at the time, that I was like, hmm, I haven't actually seen these relationships play out this way in real life. You know, that's probably not how relationships go. But I think that we just really don't recognize how deeply into our subconscious these themes go and they really burrow in, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's just like, you see this normalized so many times, you see these themes so many times that even though right now I can have a conversation with, you know, a room full of women who would tell me Barbie's just a doll. Barbie had no effect on me at all, but it's mm -hmm. like, right. That's where, I mean, what's the, the thing, the biggest trick the devil ever played was convincing you that he wasn't real. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's the point. The point is, yeah. is that we don't recognize that these things had such a huge impact on us. And that's the impact. That's mm -hmm. the problem because we're not even aware of it. And so we certainly can't do anything about fixing it or try to change it because we don't even know that it's happening. Yeah. I know I definitely did not want my daughter playing with uh, Barbie dolls or my kids, any of them playing with Barbie dolls. And so we mostly had horse toys and mm -hmm. we had doll houses and the horses lived in the doll house and <clears throat> yeah. they had horse families and horse lives and they made horse dinner in the kitchen. But yeah. um, I really tried to steer clear. 
of Barbies as dolls. I have I have a confession to make though, and I can't believe I'm gonna say this. I really like Barbie movies. Um <laughs> say again. <laughs> so I okay, so I do think I should say that I did not know prior to you saying that just now that there were Barbie movies. Oh, there's dozens of them, like so many Barbie movies. And, and some of the older ones are pretty low quality, you know, 3D animation or computer animation type style. But um, when I was raising my two stepdaughters, that was something that they were really into. So being a step parent, you don't get all the control. And so I didn't have a total say so and we're not watching Barbie movies, which would have been my, my vote. So I ended up watching these Barbie movies and I got to admit, there's some of them I really like and wow. like really important to me. Um, they're typically not the ones that follow the Barbie falls in love with a gorgeous guy and lives happily ever after storylines. Barbie has a lot of different genres that she covers in her movies. Um, so I guess, so I mean, there's... I didn't realize that like when I loved Barbie when I was a kid, yeah, I did too. <clears throat> and granted, when I was a kid, when we were kids, there wasn't just Barbie. There was like Barbie's sister, Barbie's cousin, Barbie's best friend yeah. who who was like a veterinarian. Barbie, you know, all these people and they all looked like different, you know? And my Barbies were also playing with like my He-Man and like yeah. my new kids on the block doll. You know, like there was a yes. whole situation happening. But I didn't realize the Barbie story because I never had a Barbie that was named Barbie. I had like Kate or, you know, who like none of yeah. my Barbies were Barbie and I know I don't even think I owned I might have had one Ken but like he was like the neighbor who lived down the street he certainly wasn't like the one Barbie was going after like there was some hottie with like brunette dude like that bar <laughs> that my Barbie was into and then I like match like magic markered like some five o'clock shadow on him what? um that's so great chest hair <laughs> Because like my dolls had like really intense, more like dirty dancing lives. That's sure. what was happening in my Barbie house. Um, it was not like, it was very rated R. Um, sure. So I didn't even know like the Barbie story. I didn't have any Barbie books as kids. I didn't know what Barbie was supposed to be doing other than like, you know, having a Corvette or a Jeep. My Barbie had a Jeep, but you know. Yeah. I, so I didn't realize there was like a whole storyline that was supposed to be happening. Well, no, no, there, it's not really like there's some movies that are actually about Barbie, but then there's like Barbie Swan Lake, where hmm. the character that looks just like Barbie is now in Swan Lake and they do the entire Swan Lake with the dancing and the music. There's a Barbie Nutcracker. I mean, are you saying of... that just made me think of another movie, Phantom <laughs> of the Opera? Oh, wow. Literally falls in love with like a this deranged <laughs> monster, but he has a lovely singing voice. And that's all, and plays the organ. So, you know, that's all that matters. At night when no one can see him because he's basically a ghost monster. Yeah, special. 
That's like, I remember when the Beauty and the Beast TV show came out, which I loved. I think it had like Linda Hamilton in it. And she was like really? a total badass from Terminator or whatever. Love but he like Linda lived Hamilton. in the sewer system. <laughs> She's oh, like going to hang with him God. in the sewer system all the time. I remember that show. And that, like, I was, I totally watched that show. And it was weird. It was really weird, Kelly. Like mm-hmm. that, that, that concept for me does not work anytime it's with humans because there no. has to be makeup. It's really and, creepy. And and there's no way to do that without it just being horrible. But yeah, I totally watched that show and loved it. But I mean, I think we can also, it's like we've totally forgotten these movies, like the va- all of the vamp, like the whole vampire genre. I hate These vampires. guys who literally are trying to kill women sucking their lifeblood out of them mm-hmm. but the women are just like falling madly in love with these men who can't even be in sunlight mm-hmm. like speaking what? of which i re-watched interview with a vampire within the last few years oh i hated that movie i'm horrified like i remember at the time it was like supposed to be the greatest vampire movie and it had tom cruise and mm-hmm. Brad Pitt and they were so hot and um <laughs> that movie should not had Antonio have Banderas ever been in made. it as well. That movie should not have ever been made. Like nothing yeah. Anne Rice writes should ever leave the pages of a book. Like if you want to have that experience, you need to go read the book. But like I just cannot even um, stomach that 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 that's a movie. I it's, will say though, Queen of the Damned with Aaliyah. She's like the, oh yeah. that was actually, now again, I, I haven't seen this movie in 20 years, but that was a really cool ass movie. Like, okay. but I mean, she is like the major vampire person in that movie. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I haven't seen that. I, I, in general, despise the vampire genre. I've seen no She's this like movies. Egyptian vampire awoken from like thousands of years ago. she's like uber powerful and i just remember it being very aesthetically pleasing and the music was good um but yeah interview with the vampire was totally problematic but i mean all of these like twilight movies and and again i don't want to i really genuinely don't want to bash them because i have found joy in them i really have i found joy in pretty much every vampire anything that ever existed i'm just saying maybe we shouldn't be going after vampires that's all no. I'm saying. As as women or men, maybe we just shouldn't be going after these creatures of the night. Now, it's probably it's, not I, a good look. Now I don't know, but I'm so I'm gonna have to ask: Is there a theme that the girl that goes after the vampire guy is somehow gonna tame him or keep him from his bloodthirsty, like vampire lifestyle and turn him normal? Like, what is the or does she she turns into a vampire? She's then- gonna have to turn into a vampire because okay. he kind of has to like feed off of her in order to even like <laughs> like the, and, and you know a major theme in these vampire because you know these are are um men who mm-hmm. you know don't have blood running through their veins and they basically have to bite these women to even fulfill the sexual desire and follow through i mean we'll do the biology on that one um but it really is so 
abusive. Like it is just so insanely abusive. That's what like True Blood was. True Blood was actually um, written from these Charlene Harris books that were really good. They were so funny. They were like little murder mystery vampire books that then eventually had werewolves and, you know, all these things. Um, they were cute. They were funny. They weren't like really serious. And then it got turned into this HBO, like triple X, everyone naked, having orgies all the time, vampire show. <laughs> so dramatic but it was all about like this guy has to like bite this woman every single time they're in these lovemaking sessions in order to even like follow through it's just so that's really disturbing it's disturbing on so many levels and it's just i I don't understand how we got to this place. <laughs> like, I don't either. I'm going to tell you the only vampire movie that's okay in my book is Once Bitten with uh, Jim Carrey. That wow. primo vampire content right there. And and I'm thinking a version of Jim Carrey that you love because it's not slapstick. I just can't remember that movie. Uh, it was the very first. It's been movie. the 80s I since I've seen it. I used to have it recorded on a video cassette from TV. Wow. And I would rewatch it back in the I got day. so excited. Yeah. That, That's uh, when TV actually showed really good movies. Yeah. On Saturday. Like if you didn't have anything going on on a Saturday, that was cool. Cause you could just stay home and watch like Fox. Do you and remember when Fox movies. first came out and that's what they did on the weekends. Fox was yeah. just like a movie channel. They just played, who would have guessed Fox would right. have transitioned to where they are now. Yeah. Fox used to be just kind of this like, because I don't know if you remember, and this is like way off topic, but uh, do you remember what that channel was? Because back home it was channel 57. Yeah. Do you remember what 57. that channel? Oh, well, you're you're back home right now. Yes. But I mean, I remember <laughs> channel no 57 TV. very well because it was so exciting when it came out. Because isn't that yeah. like what Martin and like in Living Color? Yeah, yeah. It was all the risque type stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but before that, channel 57 was actually like this Christian content channel. Oh that played uh it was weird but it was something else and a lot of the stuff was kind of geared towards kids in the afternoon so it was like an option like between pbs kids shows and that because other than that it was like you know guiding light and the sarah jess jesse Raphael show which when sally. you're six is sally, sally. 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 <laughs> what did i say sarah sari sarah oh my god I uh, really yeah. thought you were going to say Sarah Jessica Parker. No, sorry. You know, what's funny is that like even, okay, so now I just thought about Sarah Jessica Parker and I'm thinking even Hollywood romance stories mm-hmm. are these terrible stories of these women who are with these no good men trying to change them. Sarah Jessica Parker was with Robert Downey Jr., for years when he was like a total mess, a total yeah. mess. Now, Robert Downey Jr., we all love him. He's great. He has, he's changed things around. All right. Yeah. Um, but that I was like this like, great, he, he married like, like a producer. She's like a producer, a film producer. Okay. Um, and then he, you know, maybe she was the one who who changed him. 
<laughs> I think I just saw an interview recently with him where he said something to that effect. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And he I, think has she, said, I think she hardlined him. And he has was like, said very I'm not doing this with you. Yeah. He said very not nice things about Sarah Jessica Parker, though. I think because he resented that she didn't fix him. Mm. And it's like, dude, that wasn't her job. Like she shouldn't have, she shouldn't have stayed there as long as she did, but there are just, and it's so funny because it's like, and then Sarah Jessica Parker moved on and she's been with Matthew Broderick for decades. And it's like, it's so funny because people are always like talking about, um, suggesting that they might be having trouble in their relationship or whatever, because their relationship is so boring. Like mm -hmm. it's so boring. And it's like, even in Hollywood, we're drawn to these super dramatic relationships mm -hmm. and the boring ones were like, oh, they must, it must be over soon. When are yeah. they going to be, you know, when is that going to end? Yeah. It's crazy to me. Like what, what has, what well, has the I, world done to us? I want to say here, since we've kind of gone down this path, I have always strongly identified and idolized Angelina Jolie ever since Ugh. she did like the like late 90s stuff like Hackers with sure. Johnny Lee Miller which I love anyway I've just always really loved her work and and then she had kind of a wild personal life and that whole relationship with Billy Bob Thornton that was clearly abusive mm -hmm. and then um, I was also really fascinated by that dynamic that she had with Brad Pitt that ended with her basically claiming that he was abusing her mm -hmm. and um, them fighting for custody of the kids mm -hmm. pretty publicly. So um, yeah, that's, that's one of those, I would say that to me has really impacted me because she always went for this kind of bad boy type. Yeah. And then I think Brad Pitt was supposed to be kind of like the good guy and he turned out to be the bad boy maybe too. Although, I mean, I don't know you know yeah I mean who knows we're just speculating but yeah I mean I do think too that one of my one of my personal issues has been idolizing the women that I thought were cool that were actually just screwing up their lives probably mm -hmm. you know yeah. like all of these women who were like making all of these terrible choices that you know maybe for them it was their journey it was whatever you know but I, it would, I would have been nicer if I had maybe idolized a woman who was living like the most boring life ever in, mm -hmm. you know, but you don't read about having all magazines. this drama. Yeah, exactly. You know, Cause, they, cause they're not we allowing kids, themselves to be in magazines. Yeah. When we were kids, magazines were actually a very crucial part of getting information about popular culture because totally. you couldn't just Google things or you didn't get this constant news feed on every single web page telling you about what's going on in every mm -hmm. person's life so the only things that come up are those toxic relationships or the people that choose to keep putting themselves out there for tabloids and scandals and things like that but like tom hanks you know we can't have a podcast without mentioning tom hanks doesn't he have like this perfect relationship with his okay, wife so ever in the news Okay. So here's what I will say about Tom Hanks that as I have grown into a, a healthier version of myself, um, mm -hmm. people like Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson are the dream that mm -hmm. said, Tom Hanks left his first wife for Rita Wilson. He did have an affair. Um, oh my God. Perhaps she changed him. <laughs> 
that's terrible because I have a hard line. I mean, they've been together on, for a very long time. On like cheaters. Yeah, that's that's tough. Well, hey, good for them. I had no idea that that's how they got together. I just, they're like who I think of when I yeah. think of like the perfect relationship. For sure. So. I mean, I like to think that they're the real deal. Yeah. Um, despite how it, how it began. Um, well, I mean, uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen and his wife, they have been together for decades now, but I mean, she was also the other woman, I believe. Oh, um, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know so, anything about Bruce Springsteen and his personal life. Yeah. Um, I mean, I find these, these, uh, celebrities who've been with the same person for a long time, really fascinating because I think it's, it's difficult. That said, I think that celebrities usually have their own rules when it comes mm -hmm. to relationships. I don't know if it's quite the same, but yeah. I mean, I will say someone like Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks doesn't even, he's not even in movies that are the kind of movies we're talking about. He's yeah. not even in movies where there is like some really horrific, abusive relationship between a man and a woman, yeah. you know? But I mean, Sleepless in Seattle is also a problematic movie. So I is it? it out there? It is. I can't completely remember Sleepless in Seattle because it's I always, crazy. I preferred You've Got Mail. Okay. So like Sleepless in Seattle to me movie. was a bit dated. Wow, I felt like we watched that movie like together all the time. I mean, I'm sure that we did. I'm just saying that once You've Got Mail came out, I feel like I could watch You've Got Mail today. I have watched it recently and it still holds up. I think that the last time I tried to watch Sleepless in Seattle, it felt very old. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very dated, but I'm just saying like he, his son answers a letter from a random mm -hmm. woman who his son claims is the one right and then his and then when his dad won't listen his son uh hauls off and goes to new york on a plane by himself oh and, and then they like to come they but fall madly in love other, and they, they just, just know and yep. they just know they just know but there's like no see i think that that's but i think that that's why i preferred you've got mail because in you've got mail they actually are building this real relationship slash friendship throughout the entire movie and then she realizes that he's not this like illusion that she had thought that he was he's like the reality, person that she actually knew and the the movie should have been called catfish that's i think the real the real version of that movie <laughs> well i mean catfish that ended well because yeah you know it's not like he was i don't know i love that movie that i, like, I think I like you know what i'll actually go ahead and put that out there as like a movie where people are moving towards relationships they should be in mm -hmm. and who start out basically internet dating yeah actually get to know someone before you claim that they're like you know, the love of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I think that's probably the most difficult part of a relationship is that you're really not going to know a person until you've committed some time. Mm -hmm. And by default, people are going to show you their best side if they want to be in a relationship with you at the beginning of that relationship. Like they obviously wouldn't be like, Oh, let me just show you all my bad stuff. Cause you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. That's, that's the tough part because a lot of times it's like, you don't know what you're going to get until you've been with that person for a long time. But once you get so committed and you realize what all the demons in the closet are, mm -hmm. like 
it's way worse than you thought. And it's definitely not something that you should sign up for, but how but do you've you already done the time. <laughs> yeah. You've yeah, already you invested. Right. Exactly. Kids and shared finances and, mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's not just so easy to walk away. And and I used to work in divorce law, and I can tell you that most people come out of a divorce in a worse financial and personal place, a worse emotional place than they went going in. And there's many times I just thought this couple should just work it out and find some like amicable way to live in the same house mm-hmm. because this is crazy. They're about to both just go bankrupt. Well, because, and people stay together yeah. for way longer than they should because they are, you know, bound together by, yeah, you know, money. And this, this is why I'm such a, an advocate. And I think you are too for separate finances Yeah, absolutely. and separate savings, because I, I can say, I love my husband and I really believe that we're going to be together for the rest of our lives, but I also am realistic that he could have an affair or I could have an, if I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Maybe right. I meet some guy and some movie I watched as a kid told me that it's Uh-oh. okay to have an affair with that person or Tom Hanks told me, you know, and I'm like, well, Tom Hanks did it. So it's going to work out for me, but um, who knows? So I'm just saying, you never know. And to put all your eggs in one basket to me seems foolish mm-hmm. again, but I have experience working in a field where I'm pretty informed about what happens when those things fall apart. Yeah. And it's but it's also bad. I mean, that's, that's again, one of those things though, that we're taught is that like, once you meet that someone, then you throw, Mm -hmm. throw all those eggs in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how it's supposed to work. You completely divorce yourself as, you know, a human being with your own like thoughts, wants and desires and needs. And then you (laughs) become Mm -hmm. we instead of me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, that's what we're taught. Yeah. No, I, and it's not just meet someone and get to know them. Like you made the point earlier. It's like this lock eyes across the room. And, and I would say certainly the longest and unhealthy relationship, unhealthiest relationship I was ever in started with this locking of eyes and me mm-hmm. being like, he's the one, like I mm-hmm. never have had that feeling before in my life. And I don't even know why I had it then. Cause I guarantee you, he was not the one. I don't even think there is. Well, a, a lot of one. times that feeling comes from like mm, being lonely. Um, oh, I was in a relationship. Being in a, right, but with, you clearly weren't happy about it. Other, I was with the other person. But you clearly weren't happy about it. Like, oh, sure. um, I but think I that remember, that's usually how that starts. I remember actually then avoiding him completely for many, many months, because I'm like, I am in a relationship and I've just had a baby with this person and we just bought a house together. And I am a hundred percent in this relationship that were there problems. Yes. A hundred percent. But I mean, I like saw it and was like, I was not looking for that. Like, at least that's how I felt in the moment. Maybe I have a skewed view of it, but I remember uh, intentionally avoiding him for months. And it wasn't until we ended up at the same daycare, totally coincidentally, uh, months and months later, and I wasn't in the relationship with that other person anymore, that uh, then I like allowed that connection to develop. But I mean, it's like just there is people you have a chemistry with and whether that's like, a <laughs> whether that's just like purely like a sexual chemistry or just that there is some sort of a 
connection uh, energy-wise well, with that I've person? Actually, I've actually talked to my husband about this recently too. Um, mm-hmm. It's so funny. And I, I noticed this a lot when we first started wearing masks. Um, it's so funny how people, when they're speaking to you, usually don't look you in the eye. Yeah. And so I think that as a society, we have sort of made looking people in the eye this incredibly intimate thing when in actually it's in actuality it's something we should be doing like every time we speak with someone Mm -hmm. and so if you are looking around a room and you're just because I know that when I you know enter a room I'm always like gazing like who's here do I know anybody here like what's going on you know no matter where I am because I don't like to be caught off guard so I want to know you know who all is, is around and what's going on. And if someone else happens to be doing that as well, and you meet eyes, it's not a coincidence. It's not a rare occasion. Yes. You're going to feel weird about it because it's so rare that people do that. But it's like, I think that people are like, they like when you lock eyes with someone from across the room, there's this crazy notion in your head that like that means something, but all it means is that you happen to be looking at the same thing at the same, in the same place as someone else at the same time. Like there's nothing special about it. And I don't think it's a chemical, like, I don't think it's chemistry. I don't think it's magic. I don't think it's the one I think like it's a thing that people are not used to because we don't look people in the eyes when we're speaking to them. We should. And like you notice this, like if, if you're a person, especially now, because we're not around people a lot mm-hmm. and it's like, if you're in a room with someone and you start like looking at them, mm-hmm. it feels so weird. And so it's like, it's something you really have to get used to. And if it's not something that you grew up doing, or it's not something that you do on a regular basis, it feels so insanely intense and Mm -hmm. it's just kind of not. And like, I think that that can often be misconstrued as like way more than it is just Mm -hmm. because it's a normal human function that we have sort of forgotten that we're supposed to do. Yeah. I am big about looking people in the eyes when I talk to them. But Kelly, I need to just stop right here because you just gave me like a total flashback to high school. Like that feeling when you're sitting in your desk and you're staring at the guy you have a major crush on and then he he looks looks at you (laughs) and like, it's not that moment it's like oh my god now he knows I'm staring at him is it look at me because he likes me or now is it weird oh my god should I stop looking at him what do I do now wait like oh my god it's like like a horror moment yeah and it's like what's so funny about it is that it's like that and I think that men also feel very differently about this than women do because it's like I think that men are genuinely like And I say this because I've heard so many like songs about this where it's like, I think that men are like, we locked eyes and it was magic. And I just knew, and it was special. And I'm like, statistically speaking, if you're both looking around a room that was going to happen eventually, there's no magic in this situation. Like, it's just so funny to me because I just think of like, 
that's happened to me so many times. Like, especially when I used to go to shows at like little local venues and I would just be standing there just looking around the room the whole time. And like, I would always like meet eyes with someone at some point in the night. And it was always awkward. And it was always like, uh, but you're serious. It's like when you're sitting in a waiting room or something and you're just like staring at someone and you don't realize that you're staring at them because yeah. you're just kind of like look you know not paying any yeah. attention to anything and then no. they look at you and you're like oh my god oh my god I'm sorry. it's so awkward but it's like it's just so funny that we're so desperate for connection that we like create these mystical scenarios of mm-hmm. love that are just like basic human things Yeah. Yeah. And this kind of also makes me think of something else. I am the kind of person who just smiles and makes eye contact when you're talking to me. And I have like, I tend to just smile really big all the time. And I have my eyebrows up because I want to express to people that I'm paying attention. I'm listening. I'm engaged, you know, and what they're saying makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's just, it's just, that's how I talk to people. I didn't realize for a long time, and sometimes, like, well, I'm old now, but uh, how many guys, I guess, thought I was, like, flirting with them or hitting yes. on them? And I'm literally just listening, like, and yeah. saying, uh-huh, yeah, but I'm smiling, and I'm making eye contact, and they're reading, like, way more into that. Yeah, I feel like we could do... Maybe- we could do an entire podcast about this. We could yeah. do an entire episode about this because I like, I cannot tell you the amount, you know, and that's the thing. Like I sort of, I sort of, when I used to go out, I became like the girl who was always like the angry bitch, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like, if you're nice, then men just assume that you're flirting with them and that you want to like have some kind of conversation with them. So it's like the best way I realized like the best way to go if I was just having a night out with my friends or just enjoying my life, mm-hmm. you know, and not wanting to be hit on repeatedly was just to like stone cold face, resting bitch face. Yep. Like <laughs> RBF completely because it, I mean, it really is. And I have seen men and women like in a social situation speaking to each other and like men will just like fall all over themselves over women who are seriously just being nice. Yeah. Like just being nice because you know, why not really? And sometimes it's like, you're really throwing yourself, you're really putting it out there. You're like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm really not in the mood today, but I'm going to be nice to you because you look sad and lonely and, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll just be a nice person. And then it's like, it turns into this whole scenario that gets really awkward, you know? And it's just like, how did, how did, I'm, I'm sure that we can blame movies for this too. Yeah. But it's just so, it's crazy to me how this all happens. And I can tell you it's happened. I've done it too. I know there was uh, a few times, um, I guess, when I was single in my 30s, where um, I was like having a conversation with the guy. And I was like, I think this guy really likes me. And then later I was like, oh my God, he was literally just being nice. And I'm like, and that's it. He has a girlfriend. He wasn't flirting with me. He was Mm -hmm. just smiling and making eye contact that's 
Right. Yeah. And I that's think all that it takes. this kind of thing gets really awkward. I feel like we really should talk about this at a later date. Yeah. Um, because we, we could, could really go, go into to, uh, the workplace and how mm -hmm. like awkward this can be as adult mm -hmm. people just being nice to each other and how that can mm -hmm. often get misconstrued. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think maybe we should wrap it up because we've gone way off. Yeah, let's tangent. pause this. So let's uh, make a note that we'll maybe circle back to this topic again at a later date and talk a little bit more about like human interaction um, and relationships and how like misinterpreting that stuff, mm -hmm. you know. I'm already looking us. forward to that one. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get to work on that right away. But uh, yeah, I think I've exhausted my my thoughts, at least for today. I could say way more about movies. We've for actually sure. just scratched the surface on mm -hmm. movies. These are the ones that just come to mind. Like yeah, first. it's definitely something worth thinking about, though, especially if you have kids and you're sitting watching mm -hmm. movies with your kids or your kids are watching movies without you. Like, mm -hmm. think about you know, the movies that you watched growing up and how that, that may have affected you, even if you didn't realize it at the time. Yeah. I just was thinking as you're talking about the Phantom of the Opera that my uh, teenagers, one of his best friends, that's their favorite movie. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I need to have an intervention. I might need to call <laughs> that person's parent and like have you had a talk with your kid about how falling in love with deranged monsters who come out only at night and sing is really unhealthy because you should do that before something bad happens on that note <laughs> all right well kelly i hope you have an awesome week and you um, too take care of yourself all right keep it real <laughs>